0: This is Moss Whelan, and Story in Mind. So just getting out for the morning walk. And it's... I would say this is drizzle. It's a bit bit of drizzle. I've got the umbrella, just in case. Oh, it's actually <laughs> it's looking a lot. There's a lot of uh <clears throat> I'm just gonna crack open the umbrella. Go through the stargate. All right. There's still snow. That's incredible. It's probably, let's see, it seems, yeah, it's quite hard and junky. Before I forget, uh, my topic is kenning, and I'm going through uh, as many literary devices as I can, and just sort of say, building up and talking around the topic. The sky has a kind of bluish quality. It's overcast, but it's not... It's not, um, dark. Because sometimes we get, like, a dark overcast. But this seems to be... Maybe it's catching the light from the city, or... Um, somehow catching the pre-dawn light... It's after four in the morning. Yeah, so it's... It's almost like a slate blue. Or a really dark mulberry kind of color. So, Kenning. Kenning is coming from the Norse. And... There's this tradition. And just basically what it is is you take a noun like the ocean or the sea and then you would use two words to describe that person, place, or thing. So, um, the ocean. You know, we would choose two words. There would be a, a poetic kind of effect to it. The one I like is the whale road. And suddenly, suddenly, it, it's like, oh, that's interesting. You know, it's the, it's the, it's the road of the whales. So, you know, s- suddenly something very ordinary becomes um, interesting. It, re- it reminds me of the Homeric epithets. I think that's what it's called, is an epithet. And an example would be grey-eyed Athena. So every time we have a reference to Athena it's often or usually grey-eyed Athena. And there's something very interesting about that as well. So grey eyes. Just thinking about my own situation. Uh, I have blue eyes and if the lighting is just right they actually look it, 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 it can change depending on the lighting. So I'm sure everybody's eyes are like that but I've actually had moments where I'm going, whoa, you know, I've got grey eyes. That's cool. Uh, But, say, thinking about it. I'm sure, too, in the Greek, and then you have cultural context of, you know, what that means if you have grey eyes, or why does she have grey eyes? What is grey? You know, it's black, mixed with white, Uh, and two, I'm sure that somewhere it's explained in ravishing detail, right? What what it actually you know what it actually means. So the kenning, you know what what good is a kenning nowadays? I remember I read at least one saga, one Nordic saga for um, a college class and I'd read some other things I had a copy of the Eddas (coughs) until I gave it away there was this care package um, a family I know and one of the kids had this interest in fantasy and after hearing this a couple times I was I was like, you know, aha, you know, this is a chance for me to sort of encourage, right? And who knows if this, um, if this kid is going to go on, but I, I think it's sort of say, it doesn't matter. I can remember too, as a kid, you know, sort of trying out a whole bunch of things and even if it's you know part of the process of elimination, sort of say you know discovering it's so, like okay well I don't like that or getting specific, it could lead to say stuttering, stuttering English literature or something, or you know getting into something else. Uh, who knows where it will go? So I, I sacrificed my. Copy of the Eddas and a bunch of other fantasy books that were sitting on the shelf, and I just had a gut feeling. It's like I'm never, I'm never going to open those up again. And yeah, um, one kind of example I was thinking of. It, there is a connection to. The the connection between the Anglo Saxon, Old English, and Nordic. That's where it's coming from. The deities of the Old English, the Saxons, it was the same, right? It was the same deities. the names were slightly different. And so Kenning, Kenning is shared uh, when we head back. So there's, there is a, let's see, uh, I've, I've read Beowulf a number of times. And I I want to say that Kennings are there in Beowulf. And I'd like to think that it has continued in some shape or form. One example I'll give specific to fantasy is uh, in J.R.R. Tolkien's uh, Middle Earth. And that we get examples. I'm just pulling it out of the hat here. Oakenshield. And I've I've been thinking a lot about the naming of things because Tolkien has had you know, he's got multiple languages on the go, you know, Elvish, you know, different families of the Elvish language. So You know, why would there be besides for the reader you know why why would he be using words like you know english words murkwood and and too that's not exactly english i mean the wood part is but the murk is spelled m a r m i r k rather than m u r k And I'm sure, a Tolkien scholar, you know, better. They, there has to be better than I, I and there is. I've, I've I've met at least one that sort of devastated me, and I just sort of just sat in wonder, right? <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> and of course, they did. So. Yes, and I want to say that there's more examples in L-O-T-R. And if I, if I had, you know, if I was sort of like looking at a website, I'm sure there's a website out there that, you know, sort of lists all the kennings that are in, in uh, Lord of the Rings. So, I think, I think it's good for world-building. For a couple of reasons, uh, specifically say if you're writing for an english minded audience, say an audience that would that it would resonate with them, that they would go, "Oh, you know, this has a flavor of the anglo saxon there's something familiar there. I can't quite put my finger on it." It is poetic. I remember showing uh, this fantasy cowboy thing that I'm working on. I remember showing it to another writer to get some feedback, uh, Mike Aaron, and his response was, It's too poetic. And it was, th- that was tough, but it was good. For me, it was sort of sitting there going, you know, do I want it to connect with people? Uh, say, do I want a clear, immediate connection? Mm. What can I retain? The audience isn't, you know, medieval, uh, courtly f- folk. You the this is putting out uh, out there to a wide variety. But still I want it to ret- retain the flavor. I don't want to lose the the feeling. What do I mean by that? One of the one of my influences is uh Elric of Meldebone, which is Michael Moorcock. And when you read those stories there's a definite lyricism or at least to me that sort of say you know i go you know there's something there's something old here you know this is it's not written in this kind of locky, you know chunky journalistic style <clears throat> which is which is good because it's so clear One hopes, and and then you leave that and you go for the, you know, the uh, the magazine style, with colorful flourishes, and you're allowed a bit more sort of uh, character, I suppose, or voice. So it was good feedback to get. To get, um, I think too, he was picking up on sort of leftovers from the first draft, which was much more poetic, I think. Uh, talking with local writer, Patrick Bolivar. And he was he was suggesting even including a prologue that had this poetic sort of feeling to it that I, I that I had picked up from Moorcock. And the prologue was something like um, you know, these are the tales of uh, Corvus of Citadel, who you know did this and did that, and you know was the the bearer of the green gun, and so on and so forth. You know, listen to my words, you know, and shiver with anticipation and uh, Michael Moorcock had written this for Elric um, his anti-hero and I I think I actually got it from Michael Moorcock who was standing up and reading this prologue and it was was entitled uh, The Chronicles of the Black Sword I think that's what it was. I'm sure I read something similar somewhere else, but it gives this—it gives it this kind of feeling of, the, you know, a, a slightly medieval, like you're kind of opening up this old book, and, it, and it's basically giving you a summary of. It's, it's, it's like the blurb on the back cover, right? It's just it's selling you the book. Okay, so, Kennings Practical Applications... most useful in brainstorming and say you have a character and you kind of want to sum them up like like say for example you know the the whale road as summing up the, the ocean so you'd have to come up with. say if you're if if you're naming a character or a place a street for example and you start thinking about well what is the street like you know what is the quality of the street the first first street that comes to my mind is morning to crescent which i keep coming back to are some things to say about Mornington Crescent. It's not that old. It's only, you know, a um, hundred something, maybe, maybe 150 years old. And it's a, it's, it's a crescent so it's not a full circle. It's um, the houses are, they have plaster on the street level, and then going up, it's brick. And they're all sort of shoved close together. There's no lawn. Like the street that, the two streets that I walk are. Um, they have lawns and trees and a bit of yard, but this um, this the crescent that I'm thinking of. It's it's not like that. It's and two. I I have actually uh, I I, I and, Am obsessed or was obsessed? Maybe it's maybe the obsession is over, but I actually went online and looked at uh, real estate listings for Mornington Crescent. Say people who were uh, you know renting a room or uh, selling a place, so there'd be photographs. So I'd actually get to go inside, and then. You know, that went into the brain box. And then uh, I I got to see the actual backyards. I was able to see a bit of the backyards using Google Maps, right? Just sort of, oh, there's backyards. And that kind of changed how I viewed the streets. Because, say, just seeing the exterior, I had this notion of the streets as... Not quite Mary Poppins, but uh, pretty close, pretty close actually, I'd like to revisit it and see um, because my understanding is that there's an actual house in Mary Poppins, whereas in Mornington Crescent there's these there's these places, but they are. There's a word for them. It's um, it, it just basically means that they're pushed together, so there's no space between the um, the houses, the buildings. What else can I say? I've I've looked at old pictures, say going back to. I think it had uh, cobblestones and I see I seem to always sort of drift back that for me it's kind of like a template or s- there's something going on that I am um, I'm drawn to I quite like the naming of the street because it has you know morning Daytime and then crescent, which is nighttime. So there's kind of this balance that uh, that is going on as well. So how would I come up with a kenning for that? Um, maybe something. My interpretation of it is this sort of magical place. Right, that you know, some this, some kind of wonder and enchantment can actually happen on this street. But the rules of kenning it, say that it has to be, um, it's it's one noun. So that that's where I would have difficulty with my street. Uh, an easy way for me to get out of this which is to say okay well let's focus on let's focus on uh, street or crescent and what is a crescent Uh, it's um, some first thoughts are moon slice and i'm liking that because it's sort of like slice of pie Uh, a crescent is a, a bow. So maybe something like night bow could be an example. I was seeing some people talking online about about poetry and poetry being slammed and i wanted to respond but then i my professional side stepped in and said no don't get involved in this but it is something i think about because it's uh it's such a it's such a two-sided story like say <clears throat> it gets into you know expressing yourself versus the art and craft of it, and I wrote bad poetry for years, you know and i I was puzzled why it wasn't published like why don't why can't you just write something, maybe play around with it you know, but you know why wouldn't that get published and too and then I found out you know that there's A huge, long list. And not just that. There's a huge, long lineup. There's people who are... They're more invested. They are willing to play the game. I think that's the thing, is that I'm not willing to play the game. I got very close. I think I've had one thing published. But it wasn't... It it, it was it was an interesting odd sort of situation. Like I say, it wasn't a poetry thing, and and it was very it was very kindly done, and it was relevant. But what was it? It was like it was in an archaeological journal. But I left sort of realizing how much one actually has to do in order to oh i think i'm just walking on some sleet you know some sort of like mushy snow so maybe it maybe it snowed a little earlier yeah uh I could spend the time to do something that... For the approval of others. But... I don't want to. Why? Because, say, when I'm I'm sitting down... It's... It's a wonderful, great experience. But as soon as I'm doing it for... You know, to get published... For me, there just seems to be something something wrong with that and the thing is I can do it but I don't like it like I don't I don't like the um, I don't like the end result right so it's sort of like say taking taking sort of the pure thing and um, making it less so and I'm sure at this point a lot of people would be standing up going yes exactly you know all all pure poetry must be published, and that's where I would disagree, because, you know, I've studied the classics, I get it, right? I understand what poetry is and what poetry can be, but and two, what poetry isn't, right? And pure poetry is not. (laughs) It's not poetry. It's not literary um, poetry. I suppose I've sort of made my peace with it. I've just decided, okay, well, it's not, you know. uh, Even with avant-garde, say, that I would be sort of trying to fit, right? I'm sort of Dressing it up and going, okay, this is avant-garde. Now just watch. I'll go write an epic poem. (laughs) It'll be all like, you know, the measure and everything will be perfect. Uh, I I think the last, sort of, my last... um, for into that was say studying I was learning that what I had been doing was confessional poetry and but also that I really disliked it after discovering the New York school and that there was there was poetry that was like a garden right you could just walk into this amazing flourishing beautiful thing and there's an argument there waiting to happen. Uh, and two, you know, obviously, if you're going to, if you're going to write poems, that's what you're going to do. And, you know, you ought to focus on it. You ought to learn as much as you can. And, um, yeah, write the best poetry you can. And I'm just not willing to make that sacrifice. Ultimately. That said, I have a lot of moments that I get um, from poetry or say, um, like say the ekphrasis. There's a lot of poetic devices that I'll find myself using in literature, like sort of writing, uh, yeah, the fantasy cowboy thing, you know, there's an ekphrasis, boom, right there. but at the same time i'm i'm not sort of standing up and saying you know oh look at me you know <laughs> it's more it's more just the toolbox right i want to create a certain effect i think that's the other thing that distinguishes that i see i see poetry as art versus fiction etc uh, prose there we go i see prose as something that is more uh forgive me I, you know for me it's brutal it's it's brutal it's real it's it's storytelling but it's not the um not not the stuffy morning Oh, oh. Yeah, it's, it's not the stuff that I normally see. Let's see. Over time. Oh, just halfway. So maybe we'll go just a little bit more and go have a cup of tea. I guess, too, Kenning, it's another example, would be that I'm writing, um, I'm using Kenning, I'm sure, you know, that I have, uh, or I'm using things similar to it in, in writing fantasy. It would it would fit quite well with the cowboy fantasy, less so with the uh, the terrapin fantasy world because terrapin fantasy world is very, to my mind, it's contemporary, and perhaps say spoken a spoken kenning like in dialogue rather than using it in the, um, the narrative I think I spooked my neighbor because <laughs> it's a uh, four is it five? no no it's still still in the fours But you're not, you know, not expecting to see somebody at four in the morning. thought I was just having it was you know well why use something why use like this why not just let this old stuff fade away and I know for Tolkien it was this feeling that so much had been lost and it's weird because you say even if it hasn't been recorded you know he still got access to all of these Norse sagas and, you know, all of the Anglo-Saxon gods and goddesses were the Norse god and gods, gods and goddesses. So why not just sort of go there and say, basically, that's, that's England, you know, that's, that's uh, old English. Um, But obviously it wasn't enough you know, and there was this, you know, notion that it's got to be so much more than Beowulf. I think too, there's that nostalgia. I keep on harping on the, about that. I keep coming back to that. We're looking for and wanting something that doesn't exist, and. I think part of it has to do with identity, putting the this sort of mantle on and wearing you know wearing clothing of the past. I'll see people getting quite into heritage and tradition as a way to define themselves, but It still feels kind of external to me. It doesn't... uh, Like, say, you know, my identity. And I think that's, say, slightly different than what... It was at least one person on the internet who was quite adamant about their ethnicity. And, too, I have gone through stages where, say, I've been looking to the past, and there was a big thing when I was growing up of uh, this Celtic adoration that my mother was going through, and and to even now, so I'm looking at that and I'm going, that was her attempting to, you know, that there's something missing. Even though she's been, you know, all loaded up with traditions and values, a belief system, you know, still it's not enough. She's, you know, casting about, looking for something to uh, fill the void. So I'm sort of seeing it in a similar kind of way. And it seems like I'm, now I'm doing a bit of antithesis, I'm arguing against the Kenning and saying, you know, we don't need the Kenning. You know, so what is it that the Kenning provides? Fresh writing is essential. We are going to use cliches in whatever we write. That's just normal. Normal. And there's knee-jerk reactions, like, say, people who, you know, they don't want to use the word said, right? Because you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't look like it's enough, right? Why not use something? He, you know, coughed, right? Give me that cup of water, he coughed, you know, comma, or is it exclamation mark, quote, quotation mark, he coughed, Period. Uh, what the kenning b- can be used for is a stepping stone. So we can go from a kenning and think, oh, you know, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to try using something like this. I'm going to, instead of a noun, I'm going to go after adjectives. Alright, so an, an adjective in... It could be a sci-fi story. And an alien race is using adjectives in this creative way. So rather than using one adjective, they take, they take that and they put uh, two things together to make, up, to make something new. But yeah, so I'm, I'm just... It, it can... It, this old stuff can lead to something new. New ways of doing things. It's so weird. Sort of being at this point. And I'm, that I'm seeing this repetition of culture. And... I don't know if the rest of my generation is looking at... The, you know, sort of how uh, culture is being regurgitated and how sort of, it always was. I'm even thinking of my mother's hippie days and that this was a regurgitation. And the more I look at it and I go, it's like, well, you know, they they can argue all they want about you know, that it it was this great moment, this great time, and all these great things were being said and great music. But but there is this regurgitation that's, that happens. So who used the Kennings? I've just remembered um Scald And I think that's, I think I have it right that that was the, the Nordic, um, poet, or bard, and so the Skald would not just relate stories, but be sort of recording them, and at a certain point that we would have these written accounts... That, that used Kennings and other poetic devices uh, as, as the story was recorded. One of the controversial <laughs> this is not really controversial but one of the ones that came up uh, in the class I'm thinking of where I studied Kennings that In the text, there was this description of a blood eagle. And it was a form of, I think it was a bit of torture. It was a way of sort of slowly killing someone. I think maybe humiliation. Uh, But there's this discussion, right? Because it's two words. You know, is it a kenning? This blood eagle, you know, or was it, uh, was it something else, right? Was it a, you know, a mistranslation, an exaggeration? it's interesting how say scholars will say you could have scholars hundreds of years apart right who are kind of having a conversation back and forth you know across time and if you got sort of heavily into your discipline you know if you decide okay i'm going to study you know this <laughs> kennings right that's 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 my focus And you become the... The expert. Or one of the... You know... Experts. I've heard that it's very... Um... It would be like any... Any career... That say that there's going to be... Competition. Um... There's going to be people who are... Say... You know, sabotage, or let's work together, and then they stab you in the back. There's all kind of drama, and two, there's drama queens as well, uh, uh, and then two, drama kings. So I'm just imagining the skull scolds all those years ago that they would be. Quite impressed that, you know, their work and it made it to the science fiction future. So it's just returning to the Viking stronghold. as well that that's just one culture and really I haven't dabbled in a lot but every culture has their you know form of literary devices and poetic devices there's other kennings out there Drying off the umbrella. Now popping something in the fridge. Let's put on the kettle. So yeah. So I'm just wondering about. all of the all of the devices that aren't on, literary devices that aren't on Wikipedia or the internet that say you could really dig deep and just thinking about my own background I have a, a, a bit a tiny bit of Hungarian and uh, uh, and some Hungarian, there's some French in there. Um, yeah, so I'm thinking about that and going, you know, oh yeah. Um I have had a chance to look at some Hungarian, say, you know, mythology that would be sort of, you know, around the same time as the the Norse. And really interesting, I found it very interesting. And, and I always end up in proto-Indo-European and getting these ideas from from you know that notion of the past, <laughs> but it it creates these questions about like oh yeah well um, to go look for something like kennings right and and see if I can find something to use. Why do that? There's all kinds of different branches of, say, my focus, fantasy. There's all kinds of different branches. There's things that fall into fantasy that I would sort of grumble and say, well, I don't know that, you know, it's not really fantasy. There's um, urban fantasy, contemporary, that's very... um, How can I say it? I always go to Anne Rice. I always think of Anne Rice and go, um, like, say, her vampires. And I'm surprised that she hasn't done werewolves yet. I think that that's, you know, she could have her, uh, what's it called in Hollywood, like when you sort of, when you come back from sort of a hiatus. I know she's still working on stuff, but that's the one thing that she hasn't done. She's done vampires and mummies and witches. I mean why not? Why not do why not do werewolves? Maybe she's too worried of sort of being lumped in and saying, Oh, you were doing the universal monsters all, all the time. All along. know a number of writers who are who are actually mining um, you know the Nord- Nordic myth and culture and the sagas for story ideas that their fantasy worlds are very much um, it's kind of like continuations like that they're steeping themselves in in these stories and It's very cool to see just how diverse uh, f- fantasy is. I was asking one writer about um he's talking about his a story that he's working on, and he's saying you know it's post apocalyptic and it's in um, Africa. And, he, he, but, but there was sort of a magical part of it. So I responded back and I said, you know, we, would you call it, would you call it magic Afrofuturism? And he responded back and saying that he preferred to call it uh, African Futurism. and that made me think of um so you wouldn't you wouldn't say you wouldn't say an afro-american right and and too it's interesting because i you know usually if i said indo right i wouldn't say i would i would say indo-canadian i wouldn't say indian canadian because of <laughs> Because, you know, h- here the reference is to, uh, you know, a-, a term that you're not supposed to use for the First Nations and Native Canadians, right? So it's it's been sort of co opted by, you know, and two, it, it still exists as a as, as a legal term. So it's it's not something that just sort of you can just disappear it it does show up. Think about, Yeah. So that yeah, so it's interesting the suppose, terminology. But well, I was just thinking about this writer and, and that say he's writing to the African experience and just what a what a gold mine it is for you know, all of all of these cultures there and all of the different ways of, of storytelling. So that uh, one thing too that sort of bugs me is that it's not it, the, the toolbox ought to be overflowing, you know, and it's not, I, I've seen Kenning on the list, but I haven't seen anything else really other than that. And so it's almost like say cherry picking. Um, so I, I might have to go and dig deeper and, um, I'm not, I'm not a scholar, so I don't, I don't know how much that's going to be accomplished, but, um, sort of put it on the list. Yeah. So what, um, what kind of literary devices do you like? Is it, uh. Do you prefer to to stay sort of close um, to the, to your material that you're not sort of you not leaving? You know, um, how much influence do you allow from from other cultures? And it's so it's such a tough thing too because kenning is actually part of the English experience, right? That there's there's examples of it there, or say, you know there are you know st- um studying english lit you know i would find myself reading people who were inspired by um say the haiku or something or somebody had written a haiku you know but you're you end up reading it uh, as english literature there's a guy on twitter and he does haiku it seems like yeah, every post he does is a haiku. Um I'm sure he dreams in haiku. But it it's also a bit weird because it's not a haiku, it's just sort of his tweets happen to be haikus, have the haiku form, but they don't um they don't necessarily have the same punch of a haiku, right? Um So I almost feel like I couldn't say that they're actually poems. <laughs> this feels almost full circle, coming back to talking about poetry, um, and and that's that's basically the upshot of uh, kenning is that it is it is talking about something, and there is a kind of magic that happens. Um, you know, every day you're talking about, say, the ocean, the sea, the bay or inlet, where you live, the beach, and all of a sudden, you know, the Scald says something amazing, right, like, you know, talking about the whale road. You know, let us, you know, go on a trip on the the whale road. And that, that seems to be what Poetry serves to do it, it. It sort of wakes up the language. It it uses the language in inventive ways. Um, it it opens it opens up the language. There's there's the art that I was I was mentioning earlier that poetry seems much more artistic. And then you know disagree or agree, but, um, even, even showing Mike, um, something I was working on, he was saying it's too poetic, right? So that for him, he sort of has that category and to, you know, everybody, myself included, that there's this category of something that is a poem versus, you know, something that is prose, um, that things happen in, in the poetry world that, you know in the prose world you're going to have a more realistic and then the poetry that something unrealistic is happening and yeah i'm 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 liking where this thought is going that it's painting with words i remember it was one way of describing um, poetry. You get to spend time on a uh, particular subject, whereas in prose you might have to leave. Um, and too, there's all kinds of arguments. It would be great if there was a novel that was just set in one room. <laughs> you know, and, and people would be sort of you know coming and going from that space. But um, there would be this the irritation of setting Right. And it, I think too that it, it would almost become magnified by the fact that, you know, you were stuck in this one room. It could be like a hospital room, right? And they're moving people in and out, right? And then we have encounters between doctors and nurses and families and patients. So we're pretty much there. Thank you for listening. I I I f- I think I've made some points, but I have I ha- just have this feeling of not um the it, it, almost like there's this something that has is sort of blocked the block the artery, right? That uh there's, there's been a bottleneck experience. I'm going, what is this thing that's in the way? Um it's almost like writer's block and um, hey, if you haven't tried sprinting or writer's sprint I totally recommend it for just sort of getting getting things happening being productive um, sprinting it's say, you know, it, it's it's the experience of, you know, you're doing this thing with other people, you're doing your own thing right, but you're kind of cheering each other on and um, it's a different sort of experience because you have word counts and things like that and uh, yeah it, it, and too it's something that I want to I want to get going I I moderated it at once and I want to I want to do it again sort of set up with some other people who who said that they were interested and sort of like you know it's like hey maybe I can get these two people we can you know get on the same page same time zone or something and you know and uh, do a sprint. Well, that about wraps it up. And um, yeah, go. Try a sprint. Try it. and Or, you know, set it up with some people. And uh, just so you can experience it and then decide if you like it or not. Um, it's just good if, if you're just feeling like you're not being productive or, uh, you've, you know, you've got writer's block. All right. Take care.